alienates us from, from Christ's work on the cross, as Paul says, then, then um, why keep his commandments? Why obey? That's a very important question, and you guys did an awesome job last week uh, coming up with a, with a very significant list. So let's just um, restate those reasons uh, real quickly. Anyone remember one of them? The question is, why obey? Good. Protection. We want it. We want. We want it. By the way, to to um, share answers that are in alignment with Scripture, not just our opinions. Our opinions mean little. God's word means everything. Yeah. So we wanted everything to be backed by Scripture. Val was started us off by saying love, and that's hundred percent right and hundred percent based on Scripture. It's incredibly clearly stated that the way we love God is by keeping His commandments. Yeah. Right. So, so if you are to the point in your life and in your walk when God has revealed Himself to you in such a way that your heart's desire now is to love Him back. First and foremost, hallelujah, because that's a, that's a very good place to be. Yeah. And, um, and secondly, the clarity is the way you love God back is by keeping His commandments. That's a beautiful, in fact, if that was the only thing we understood about keeping God's commandments, that would be enough. And that would be a correct and beautiful and powerful motivation to keep God's commandments, just to show Him we love Him, just to, just to act out our, our love for Him. Eat a sheep. Exactly right. Do you love me? If so, feed my sheep. Okay, next one. Jackson. Um, I said the Ten Commandments. Right, we're talking about exactly the Ten Commandments. This is the kind of the foundation of God's commandments. There's lots more to it, but 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 that's a great place to start. Exactly right, buddy. Um, the true act of worship. Good. That was... Um, beautifully said. It doesn't need a whole lot of uh, extrapolation. The best way, remember worship is a response. Recognizing God for who he is. What better way to recognize him for who he is than to let him be God and be obedient. I mean, it seems simple, but it's such an act of worship. And, and unfortunately, it's such a under-engaged act of worship. You know, that's the testimony I share is the unfortunate thing that I've seen a whole lot of is people that are very passionately engaged in, in you know, the, the, the music side of worship, but they have no obedience in their life. They have no real intimacy with the Lord in their life. And it, it, it's just a, it's a hard thing to watch. It's a hard thing to, to um, see, unfortunately, engaged in so much. God would so much rather us just be obedient. Right? Michael? His protection. Protection. Big, 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 big one. Um, especially the one that we're talking about right now. God, God gives us these commandments for our protection. And to understand, especially when we read what we're going to read today, is really, really important. As a father loves his children, God's commandments to us are, are just like that. Things that I've instructed from my kids regarding how they live and, and whatnot, it's all because I love them and I want them protected. to them, singular and set apart, his people need to be the same. And that's a big, big invitation for us. That's a beautiful invitation. And, um, when the bride of Christ rises up in that passion to be 
and walk in holiness and to be set apart to the Father, that's going to be a big deal. That's, that's, a, that's a beautiful place of passion. I pray that for all of us. We can be passionate about a lot of things in this world. Right? We get up and we're driven by something. What if we got up and we were driven by this passion to be holy because God is holy? Any others? Did anyone say relationship? No. No? <laughs> oh, dude, that's big. Alright, I love I think it's Deuteronomy 25. If you have a chance to go and read it. It's uh, you know, it's just this beautiful passage of text where God's basically saying, Hey, I'm I want to be your God and I want you to be my people. And he's basically just inviting that covenant relationship and he's, and he says if you say yes, this is what it looks like. You keep my commandments. So, so God's commandments are the, the heart and soul and center of how we have covenant relationship with the Father. We are, we are purchased by the blood, but we, but we continue to be further and further reconciled under the Father through our obedience. And, and so it is ultimately all about relationship. Pure hearts of God. Exactly right. Those that are pure hearts will see God. We'll see God. You know, you cannot separate intimacy and obedience. You cannot separate the rules and the relationship. Actually, you can. That's not true, because the Pharisees did. But we understand the difference, right? Spirit-led spirit obedience is different than fleshly, willful, self-willed obedience. Talk about it. I love what uh, Isaiah said, if you be willing <laughs> and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. That's right. <laughs> if. That's a great reminder of where, the, where this whole thing started. Deuteronomy chapter 30, yeah. 11 through 20. Yeah. Behold, I place before you life and blessings, death and curses, so you choose. What was the entire passage about? Obedience. <laughs> If you walk in my ways, keep my commandments, align with my statutes, my precepts, and my judgments, you will have blessed life. If you choose to ignore my ways and, and succumb to idolatry, you will have death or curses. Right? So, so we are literally invited into a blessed life by keeping God's commandments. That's a, that is a underst understanding that we need, man. That is a beautiful understanding. We are, we are essentially promised a blessed life by God if we walk in His ways. What's so funny? There's some drinking. Come sit up here. Anything else? How about from a ministry standpoint? Remember that, remember that uh, sort of that diagram of, of the, the purity of the vessel is directly tied to the ability of the river of living water to flow. So all of us desire to be um, sitting in Diana's seat, right? Ready to be used by the Father to see Him glorified to see others drawn to him, to see his purposes accomplished, to see eternal fruit come. Well, that is only going to happen in one way, and that is when the Holy Spirit flows through us. And so our, our purity as a vessel is directly related to that. 
I really believe that that's something that the Lord wants us to understand is the, the degree to which we walk purely, which is obedience to God's commandments, will directly impact our usefulness in the kingdom and, and ultimately fulfilling our purpose. So that is a big, big deal. Your, think about that. Your personal obedience to God's commandments is ultimately it's a gift to all mankind, to everyone around you, starting specifically, I would argue, with your spouse, who, who's, you know, the Father wants to speak to through you more than anything else. So that's a, that's a gift. That's a beautiful gift to give all of humanity to say, I want to walk in purity so that I can love you with the Father's love, so I can prophesy to you with prophecy, so I can teach you God's truth. What a gift. What a, sac what a sacrifice. You know, that's a beautiful sacrifice. So there's lots of reasons to obey. And they're all awesome. And if we forget any of them, that that perseverance, that persistence, that, that determination, I think, falls away. That's why I think it's important to start with that. And one of the things I really felt like the Lord wanted us to do is, is read a, um, a little bit of Psalm 119 every time we get ready to engage His Word, because that psalm is, is such a beautiful example of what God's commandments do and are and offer. So, Kara, you want to share with us what uh, the Lord put on your heart? Sure. I think I feel like everything, same thing that we've been talking about all night, actually. Mm -hmm. um, so, the Lord led me to the fourth stanza, starting with verse 25. Um, My soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. I have declared my ways, and you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts. So shall I meditate on your wonderful works. My soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. Remove from me the way of lying and grant me your law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgments I have laid before me. I cling to your testimonies. O oh Lord, do not put me to shame. I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. And uh, I can certainly relate to um, just feeling like my soul is clinging to the dust and just um, total frustration at my inability of my flesh to keep um, the Lord's commandments perfectly. Um, and it was the last verse that I think the Spirit especially highlighted for me, I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. And I think the use of the word run um, just indicates that in the pursuit of holiness, there is um, this um, accessibility to, there's just an, an acceleration and strength and vigor and energy and light that we that we can run the course of his commandments, that there's an acceleration to our pursuit of holiness when um, the Lord enlarges our hearts and he expands our understanding. And uh, I think it's 
really beautiful, like the author who I couldn't figure out who that was, I searched, but um, you just see relationship all through this, you know, it just begins with confession and repentance, sincere, you know, confession and um, meditating, worshiping, marveling at God's wonderful works, um, which I think strengthens us when we worship him, we are just so strengthened by how he has helped us to persevere and overcome a victory in the past. And um, remove from me the way of lying, you know, like um, to, to reject the lies that we tell ourselves, the lies in the world that we believe, the lies of the enemy, just to reject deception. Um, and then we see him say, I've chosen the way of truth. You know, he makes a choice to go in the way of truth. And so there's this beautiful relationship and I think in that, the enlarging of our heart through that relationship is how we're able to run the part of the Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Wow. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. I totally agree. Man. I think I'm going to have to think about it for uh, a mo- more to get all that is there, but I think you're right on that interplay between our our heart to want to do it but our absolute dependence on God to be able to do it how those things work together is such a beautiful thing God enlarges our heart that's amazing you enlarge my heart you shall enlarge my heart this, you're amazing. Thank you for putting it into words the way that you did. I had was asking the Lord a few years ago about that. How can I? I need more. What? What is it? It's not enough. This seems so small. And then I read this article about this amazing racehorsing secretariat that was 20 or 30 years ago. And he, when they did the, this horse was never supposed to win a race, let alone the Triple Crown, because he wasn't, his physically didn't look like he could, and he didn't have all the right stuff. But he had such a heart to run. So finally somebody figured it out and met him, and then he ended up winning all the races. But when they actually did the autopsy on the horse, he had an enlarged heart. And the veterinarian said to the stakeholder owner that he ran this way because he was designed by God to do it. God literally gave this horse an enlarged heart so that he could run the races and win. And when I read that, it was like the two coalesced. And the Lord said, I will physically enlarge your heart because it's your desire for me. And then you won't just walk in my ways, you will run the course of obedience in my commandments. And I saw that picture, and I've never forgotten it. Secretary was given an extra large heart. I can have one too. He's a horse, for heaven's sake. I can get one because I get the new covenant, so I get to walk in that. So I'm claiming it, I'm walking in that. I'm running in that. (laughs) Yeah, I think the other thing the Lord's been impressing upon me this week is that yeah, I can get so frustrated <laughs> by not ever just being able to just get there. You know, I feel like he's been saying this week, the pursuit of holiness is not so much even about the destination, it's the journey, it's the relationship and the journey of that. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Holy Spirit, I just thank you for your presence right now. I'm not doing that one right now, or I've been rebellious in that area, or I've been disobedient in that area, you know, whatever that is, what do I do about that? Especially when we see how disobedience invites curses and, and, and garbage and, and whatnot, how do we cut those things off? How do we, um, you know, prune it and move forward? So we talked about that last week, the repentance piece. Um, I, think, I think today's teaching is ultimately about what happens when the commandment is exposed and spoken clearly, but I don't feel that repentance, or, or I just don't want to obey. Like, I wanna, I'm gonna make the choice to not walk that out. I think this is about why that happens, and, and, and specifically um, why, why that happens, and we need to be aware of that. Does that make sense? So, so um, for example, God's word says, don't turn over coffee tables. 
and we, and we, and we read it in the text, Spirit uh, leads us to expose it, bring it to light. Okay, God's word says we're not supposed to flip over coffee tables. Um, there's, there's a conviction, you know, that, that, uh, that this is truth. It's, it's clear, black and white. We're not supposed to turn over coffee tables, but something inside of me refuses to be obedient to that. Something inside of me is just compelled to flip over coffee tables. And whenever I get a chance, especially when nobody's looking, I'm going to flip over a coffee table. That's just, it's just something inside of me is, is compelled to do that. And, and, and I'll defend that if I have to. And I'll, and, I'll, um, and I'll look for others to kind of support my position if I need to. The bottom line is I'm just not going to, going to submit to God's commandment in this area. I think this short section in Romans gives us some insight as to why that happens. And, um, and I want to be the first to admit that I'll share a testimony of this, of this being in my life, this happening in my life, and, and um, because I think um, it's likely going to be in all of our lives. And, um, and understanding why is really important, something Karen just read was, give me understanding. Like, this is why we study God's Word together. This is why, literally, why the Holy Spirit is given to us to lead us into this, this type of truth. Why? Does my heart reject this? Why? Why am I? Why am I decided that I'm gonna that I'm gonna disobey God in this area, regardless of what's clear in His Word? That's a very important thing to know when you're agree, right? Because I know I've experienced that, and it sucks when you do, and it's crazy that we do. You know how we can be so obedient in so many areas, and one area is just no. I'm not gonna submit to that. Why is that? I think this text gives us some of that. So, so kids, does that kind of make sense? Sort of. We'll, we'll, um, we're going to read this out loud, and then we're just going to talk through it. We'll talk really loud. Can you hear? Okay. <laughs> All right. So um, I pray, Father, as we unlock your word, or as we open your word and read it, that you would unlock it to us. I pray as Paul prayed for the church that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of God that um, somehow, somehow we would supernaturally speak to each of us exactly what we need to hear, how we need to hear it, that we might be given understanding so that we can obey in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so someone, uh, let's just start reading this out loud. We're praying for ears to hear what the spirit has for each of us. Um, this is some fairly... Um, Serious stuff. All right, this is some, this is some pretty significant um, uh, stuff that Paul is getting ready to teach on, and and it's it's big, big, big for our understanding. So let's let's read this out loud. Someone want to volunteer? You didn't tell us what we're reading. Uh, Romans chapter one, reading starting in verse eighteen. Michael's going to start reading. Sure. Starting in verse eighteen, please. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath shewed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by things that are made, 
even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolishness, foolish heart, was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Okay. Someone, someone interpret that. Or someone just summarize that, simplify that. Or share your thoughts on that. What's Paul saying there? God's power is shown even in creation. And it testifies against the unrighteousness and the ungodliness, the unholiness of who he is. It testifies in heaven. So all of those debates about people who have never heard about the Lord, well, heaven testifies, creation testifies. And God manifests himself through his creation. So that declares his works. It says it all, all through Psalms as well. So that which is invisible is truly just as important as that which is visible. And we have taken that which is visible and made it more important. And because we can see it and touch it and feel it and hear it, use our five senses right in front of us, that seems to be more important. So we've taken things like parts of creation and idolize them. And so we have made that which dies and corrupts and destroys and, and withers and fails into something that is uh, to be idolized. But it's the incorruptible God that is above all of that. Exactly right. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, very clearly said. Everyone hear what is being said? Basically, no one has an excuse. First and foremost, everyone is without excuse. God is real. He is the one true living God. Everything in creation makes this obvious to us. There is no disputing it. Yes, sir. I was just going to add that that I think also what he's saying through it is to people that have, like, say, take the atheist approach or the Big Bang approach in these things, is that it's never been able to be recreated. Right. Right. And then so you take the theories like the Big Bang. Well, then why aren't there a bunch of Big Bangs happening? Why aren't there other worlds if this is something that's possible? And so I think what it all comes down to it is, is there is absolutely no excuse whatsoever in the fact that we can't recreate it. So it boasts a creator. Right. So you have never have any excuse to not believe that there's a creator. That's exactly right. Uh, praise God for um, all you kids, by the way, who are right here right now because you're understanding, you will understand this from this point forward, like God's real. This is all real. It's all real. And so there is no excuse. There's no, there can be no excuse for, for not obeying. Does that make sense? And, and what Lynn said is, is right on the money. Um, obedience starts with idolatry, right? And, and idolatry is simply um, he's getting ready to say it. It's, it's, 
is exchanging the worship of the creator for the worship of something created. And we have a big skewed understanding of that in, in I think, today because we often think of um, false gods. You know, we think of literally, you know, statues or, or symbols or whatever like polytheistic cultures would have had. But I think Lynn's right on the money that um, our exchange of seeking and, and wanting and desiring most the, of the creator God exchange for anything created is idolatry. Whatever, whether it's money or success or fame or a spouse or anything, anything that has our heart more than God, any created thing that has our heart more than God is idolatry. That's a, that's a, um, we just need to understand, I think we need to expand our understanding of idolatry it's not about worshiping a, a, another statue someplace, even though you know that's that's what he that's the example he uses. He's speaking to a specific audience, but but we need to we need when he when he talks about you know you've exchanged worshiping God for worshiping a, a fish or a bird or whatever. We need to plug in the idols that we have in our day. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. Um, and I was going to say that the verse that really I mean obviously there's so much that within it, but that verse 22, the professing to be wise, they became fools. Just that little bit right there, it just, we see it all the time. We've been guilty of it ourselves. I mean, it's that pride piece of it, where we think we know something so well, and, and kind of as you were even talking about a little bit, like, it's just, oh, I got this commandment down. Like, you, you, we, we hyper-focus on the things that we're doing correct, or so we say we are. That, um, that basically, you know, I think the eyes of God were like, he's like, but you fools. Like, you, you don't know as much as you think you know. Yeah. And so that just really stood out to me because I just think that there's, I mean, so many roots, obviously, that stem from pride. And, and the moment we start thinking we've kind of gotten something, especially when we start progressing it on and getting that label to ourselves, beware, I guess. Absolutely. you your pen. is expression of the Lord yeah. or that you know you are the one who raised yourself up and gave yourself this life yeah. if, you, if you don't have that thankful heart that's that's, that's the beginning of it <laughs> you have to remember where it really all came from okay so um, so watch the watch the progression here the first paragraph basically says no one everyone is with oh Matt you were going to say something Oh, I was just going to say, um, it's kind of interesting that this all came up because Andrew and I actually were literally just talking about this before all this started. And this is the number one area in my life where the enemy attacks at all times. Because as far as the, the flipping coffee tables, you know, this is the area where um, I know God, but I choose to just become futile in my thinking yep. and say and forget about it yep. and say, you know what, in this area, I'm going to do it this yep. way. So that's such a perfect segue. Because this is basically what this text is regarding. When you get to that point, knowing this is according to God's word that you have no excuse. Right? You're not deceived. You've not been tricked. You have no excuse. You know who God is and you know what his commandment is regarding this particular thing. And you have just decided idolatry. Or you've just decided rebellion. Or you've just decided on disobedience. Verse 24 says what, how God responds to that. Right? And this is the piece of understanding that we really need to understand. We need to hear this. Go ahead, Michael. 
Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the Creator more than, I'm sorry, served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Read that next paragraph too, please. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is, which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemingly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was me. Okay, so without getting into the details, uh, what what ultimately is God doing here? When I read that verse 25, it reminds me of that, that part that you were talking about a couple weeks ago, the costs. And basically we're choosing to exchange a truth for a lie. Yep. Hear, hear what she said there, that's super important. We are choosing to exchange the truth for a lie because there is no excuse. There, you, can, you, you don't have an excuse. This is a choice. Whenever you break one of God's commandments that are clearly given to us in Scripture, you are making that choice. Right? This is a, this is a big part of this teaching, I think. There can be no excuse. There can be no justification. There can be no debate. It's just a choice. You're choosing disobedience. God has a response when you just make the choice up to believe a lie. I'm making a choice up. I'm going to exchange what I see to be true, and I want the lie. When you want the lie, and you decide on the lie, and you go get the lie, God responds to that. Go ahead, babe. So I was going to say, so the verse 25, so again, choosing a lie with the truth, choosing to worship a creature or something created versus with the creator. Um, then he basically turns us over to honestly like, basically that's kind of our... We get what we, 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 there's a consequence to every choice. Yep. And to think that we can make choices that are not in alignment with God's will, God's truth, um, with what God has for us, to think that, that everything's going to be okay and that our minds won't be affected, that our lives won't be affected, that right there is finding the biggest lie of all. To think that you're not hurting anybody, you're not affecting anybody, it's literally, he turns silver to our pride. Our passions, our vile stuff. Basically, everything that wasn't from God, because he is God, he allows there to be, he doesn't want us to live in that place. Right. Hopefully, we would look at that place and think it's not a place we want to be, but unfortunately, it's some people's normal. Okay. He's, he's, he's even, like in this to me when I read this, he basically is calling out his free will to get, that he's given us. Exactly. He's given us, a, he's, he's stated earlier in this scripture that you know what I, you know who I am, you know every I've created, and now you're going to choose. All of without excuse. The truth has been plainly shown. You have chosen the lie, and now, like Diane said, you're going to get what you asked for. Yep. Right? Where have we heard this before? Any 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 stories come to mind? Yep. 
Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, anytime you decide to just keep going, doing things your way, there's a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof. So Nebuchadnezzar, you know, he just chose, and he didn't glorify God, and so what ended up happening? God turned him black, let, let him go eat grass and drop and grow nails and and everything and all that. Then one day the the light came back on and he worshipped God. He gave God glory more than he glorified himself. So there's always a truth that uh, that old saying to thine own self be true. True start. Uh, well, how God taught me was. I'm honest with myself and then with God and then with God. I said, well, why not honest? And I said, no, because there's things I'm talking to you about that you're not listening to me. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, Lord, you know, honest, that, that, to, that, that truth, let yeah, it begin with me. So the any time that they chose, you know, that I love when Jesus told them, he said, oh, there's people, they draw nigh to me with their mouth, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And so anytime through that, uh, I don't, I choose not to listen, I take heed to his voice to me. And then the only person that, I, that I'm in trouble with, I, I, I got my own self in trouble, and, I don't, and then I'm going to cry out, and okay, and I don't want to get, help me get out, is God. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me, Lord. Yes, Lacey. Um, I just had a question. When it says God gave them over, did he kind of like take his hands off and let them do what they wanted and they suffer their own consequences? I actually asked that very same question, Lacey, and Lord gave me a picture. He's good with me in pictures. So you know how he talks in the Old Testament about me being in the palm of his hand, the apple of his eye, and then when his hands are around us, he's the strong tower and the place of refuge, and we run into it and no one can touch us, right? So he showed me his hands and holding me in the middle of it. And then when it says like three or four times, and he gave them up, then I saw him do this. He opened his hand and he gave the little person up and the person jumped off, walked in their own way. And he could no longer surround them with his protection because he gave them up. So that helped me a lot. So, so when God says he gave them up, um, he mentions that three times in this little section. And um, the last one is in um, verse 28. Michael, can you read that one real quick? And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a repro uh, re reprobate mind to do those things which are not Convenient. Okay, so um, so so this is the deeper understanding to Lacey's question and in Lacey's analogy, because it's I think it's even bigger than just that protection being lifted. Um, I think it also um, helps us from a, understanding the cost standpoint. It, it um, we are meant to uh, see how. Disobedience, willful disobedience, choosing disobedience actually changes our brain. Right? Because that's that's basically what it says. It says God gave them up to what? 
a debased mind or, or a reprobate mind or a futile, a futile mind. So what does that mean? What is, what, what is that? When God lifts his protection, what does it do in our minds? The, the, the mind changes. The mind shifts somehow. Right? And, and um, one of the things that I, that I think the Lord gave me regarding this passage, you guys remember we've gone through this before. Um, in, in the kind of the picture he gave me was it starts with this exchanging the worship of the creator for the worship of something created that 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 goes against our created design uh, so much that when we change that uh, um, the, the, the picture he gave me was of a computer you know how a computer has a software the software is is all in place to help the computer do what it's supposed to do. That when we exchange the worship of the creator for the worship of created, it jacks with our software. It literally changes our mind, changes our thinking. Our, our thought is, is um, tainted or polluted or infected with like a virus that literally causes us, like Diane says, to want what we wanted. To, to, and, and, how, and how missed... Um, Miss how how bad thinking that is. I mean, so much so. I don't know. I don't have a great uh, definition for a debased. Maybe someone can re look that up or a reprobate. Um, in fact, someone someone has. It a almost tablet. seems like what it does. It makes you think what was once truth and right. It's like you see the opposite. Corrupted. And, and you want the opposite. And, and honestly, you believe the opposite. I think this is this is the this specifically like yeah. what 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 we need to get. Why, why am I so compelled to flip over the table, right? E even though that makes no sense, even though that's nothing but poison, why do I want it so bad? Even though that's nothing but bondage, why am I so compelled by it? Even though that is literally just death to me. It owns me, it keeps me, it ruins me. No bad fruit, nothing but misery, nothing but pain, and yet I want it so badly. Why is that? I think this is the why. I think it's because God's lift, God's lift that protection and he hands us over to what we want. We want to want that thing. We want to need that thing. We, we want to enjoy that thing. And so God says, all right, I'm going to give you what you want. And I'm going to literally, your mind is going to be given to what you want. Like, I'm just not giving you permission. It's like I'm handing you over to it. And you can actually, and the, the scary part in that is that obviously, let's say you had a different view on something. You will always be able to find someone else whose mind has also been turned over always. to that. So that you literally actually could even reinforce that lie as truth because now you're not the only person thinking flipping tables is a bad and idea. And we always will. Yes. In fact, Michael, the teaching you sent me a, a month or so ago, was she spoke about that. It was a beautiful uh, teaching, and she was talking about um, she was talking about uh, kind of sin in a, in a church, and in the church community in particular. And she said, "What you'll notice in any church community is that is that um, all people who sin the same way will eventually find each other." And, and basically, she's like her words were, all the gossips will find each other so they can gossip. And all the partiers will find each other so they can party. And all the, you know, whatever other sins might be there, we find that. We find the others who have been handed over to that because we can do it together. And, and, and we can find um, justification and, 
you know, or, or if nothing else, just a little less guilt or a little less shame, whatever the case is, that's exactly right. We look for it. We will look for ways to justify it. Um, and, and it's because our minds have literally been given over to it. And, and, um, and you'll know this is the case, and this is where this is where I'll share my own testimony. Most of you already know this story, so I'll share a real short version of it. Um, uh, and my kids have, have you know, heard this in part, you know, throughout throughout uh, their lives. But but um, you know, there's a there's a time in my life when alcohol was 100% idol, an idol in my life, going back to college and and uh, even before. And, you know, it was it was never to the point where I where I would have ever called myself an alcoholic by any stretch. It was just um, I liked to party and and uh, did on a fairly regular basis, and um, and did for a number of years. And the reality was, um, Diane was always um, very clearly um, the Lord was always speaking through Diane to me that this that's not for you, and um, and the word is very obvious about. Drunkenness, very. I mean, it's just in black and white. It's so obvious. You cannot dispute that getting drunk is breaking God's commandments, right? And so, and so, I was um, uh, experiencing nothing but bad fruit. I was, I, I was constantly hearing the truth from my wife. I could very easily see the truth in God's word, but my mind was made up. This was going to be a part of my life. And, and, and the reality is, looking back on this now, I can see this exactly had played out. I had chosen disobedience despite knowing the truth, despite being shown the truth, despite being uh, convicted by the Holy by the Holy Spirit through my wife. Just I had just chosen no, and when and when and when I chose no, and God lifted that protection, all of the sun, none of the signs mattered, none of the bad fruit mattered, none of the. Um, you know, the clarity of God's word mattered. It just did not matter to me. And, and I know it frustrated Diane, and, and, um, and, and maybe some of you have had an experience like this with someone else in your life when, when the truth is so obvious, and yet they just can't see it. Right? That's, that's, just, a, that's, just, a, that's just a reality of sin. That's a reality of deception. That's a reality of our flesh. That's a reality of, a, of this rebellion. When, when, get, when we get to this point... When the Lord has spoken to us and we just keep saying no, he, and, and he gives us over to it, I am just convinced it is a mental shift that happens that causes us to not be able to see, not be able to hear, not be able to, to know the truth. And it is a, um, it's, it's almost like a mental illness. Like I can look back at my experience and say it was like I was kind of like borderline insane in that little area. Like I had insanity regarding that specific thing. There was no common sense. There was no truth. There was no logic. It had just been a decision in my mind. And it was and it was only and I think this is this is part of okay, what do we do with this? It was only when um, when I had literally got to a rock bottom moment and um, and it was a moment when I was just at, at my lowest, and for some reason, when I was at my lowest, um, uh, in, in, in the most in need of God, and I think this has to do with Lynn's testimony um, specifically, as well as Michael's, there's a convergence of the two. It was when I was the most desperate for God that, that I asked him, um, 
what specifically is keeping me from being what you've created me to be or what is specifically blocking my right my right next step and that's when he opened my eyes to alcohol not being for me anymore and alcohol being an idol in my life and, and it was at that point I believe that there was um, that this judgment that God had given me like that's kind of how I see this this is God's judgment upon us when he finally gives you what you want that's actually his judgment upon you that you are going to um, experience that judgment until you get to the end of yourself. Right? He never does anything specifically to punish us. He never does anything out of hatred or spite or, or meanness. He always only is doing it to grow us up. Right? And so when God get, hands us over to a judgment, it's so that we suffer in that judgment to the point of getting to the end of ourselves. And, and, and in that moment of suffering for me, um, that's when God, I believe, renewed my mind regarding that thing or, or, or removed that judgment or, or regained me that covering. I'm not sure exactly in the spirit how it happens, but something changed. And all of a sudden now I heard it and now I understood it. And now the, um, the idol itself became clear what it was and what it was doing and why it's not for me. And, and then the reality was, is even though this happened seven years ago, it's, it's not like I haven't, there hasn't still been temptation regarding this thing, um, but I'm not in that place anymore where, where I've been given over to judgment for it. My flesh still desires it sometimes, and, and not surprisingly, when I'm in my flesh, meaning I'm in a struggle or I'm stressed out or I'm in a you know, conflict of some kind, that's when it appeals. But, but, I'm not, but I'm nowhere near the level of blindness that I was before. I'm nowhere near the level of, of insanity regarding that thing that I was before. I think, I think it's because my mind is not in that place of judgment anymore regarding it. Does that make sense? And so my, um, so, so what do we do with that? What do we do? How do we respond to that if we, if we think we're either in that place or we can see that someone else is in that place, what do we do? I will say when, I when you I will say when you see someone else in that place, based on the example you just gave, there's nothing you can <laughs> of the break. Right, yeah. That is literally all you can do. Because it literally takes the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. to be the oh sorry, that's the Anyway, sorry, but it's. Sorry. And, 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 um, I agree with that so much, Diane. And, and here's the here's the further question. Intend for that person. Why? For that person. Why? Why would praying? Um, or or maybe the next question is, um, what does that prayer look like? I believe that that prayer looks like um, you have to ask. Uh, you have to honestly ask God to open. I think at least in that particular situation is to ask God, I mean, if you've done everything you think you can, and I'm not going to say that God can't use people, but when you're clearly having no impact and no effect on that person, then it literally has to be, um, I think some of the prayers that were probably said were along the lines of asking uh, the Holy Spirit to, to be the one that convicts, to asking um, your eyes to be open, to see, to see what it truly is, to hear what it truly is, to see the truth. Um, scripture is amazing to pray, um, <laughs> using scripture to pray, but Honestly, otherwise, straight up, the enemy absolutely can have a, a just a fantastic 
party in, in whatever that is. If the person, if someone is not willing to see what the problem is, or that it is out of alignment, actually it creates more problems because it actually causes more conflict. Um, because if, especially if the person's not willing to hear, exactly. to hear from another person. What do you think the chances are that if God has handed someone over to a debased mind and a debased thinking regarding something for the sake of that person's um, walking out this judgment to ultimately get to the end of themselves, to ultimately be able to cry out to God, to ultimately um, have the Father you know, do that surgery, what do you think the chances are that you teaching them out of that reprobate thinking is? What do you think the chances of that is? Right? It's, it's, it's impossible. I mean, yes. So our scenario is, what I'm going to share is a little different, but um, there was a man in front of me that had come for prayer, and the Lord showed me that his issue was pornography. But he also said I was not to call it out, because the dude knew, yeah. and so Holy Spirit knew, but by my calling it out, it actually would reinforce only guilt, shame, and condemnation. So he said, speak out who I know he is. So the, intercess the intercession wasn't a spiritual warfare battle. It was, you are a man of honor. You are a man that, that respects his wife. You are a man that loves his family to such the point that it's destroying you, that you are not walking yep. that way. Yep. But you are a man of honor and integrity. And I, I said nothing. I did not use that word. And he broke under the spirit, and he was the Lord showed me he was clean after that, because all I did was speak life over him and call out who God knew he was. Because God doesn't see us this; He sees the blood of Jesus over us and what we are becoming. So, when you ask the question, "What does the prayer look like?" Yes, Holy Spirit has to lead it, but we never need to call out. We need to speak life over and who that person's identity is and his destiny with God. It's the kindness of the Lord that leads to yes. repentance. Yes. So the prayer is always for repentance. Yeah. And that comes, I think, from the kindness of the Lord. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, I, I, I'll be straight. Like, at the time, I, I would probably very openly say a lot of those prayers are out of flesh, desperation, it has to be Holy Spirit-led. Yeah, it, it really does have to be. I'll say this from the other side. You know, um, having some clarity regarding my, my mind and my thought about that idol at that time was whenever she would come against it and expose it, literally all it did is make me want it more. I mean, 100% the truth, all it did was make me want it more. And so, um, and so that, was not the, you know, that was not the solution. It was, it, and it only made it worse, and it only... Um, you know, reinforce the judgment that I was under. You know, to get to the to get to the end. So that's a. I mean, I, I'm, just, I'm just being honest, and that and that that's, that was the fruit that we experienced for several years in that area. You know, until until the, the surgery took place. You know, and and, uh, and this is a big big deal. And this is always regarding what, right? Let's 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 keep the we got to keep the big picture in mind. God is teaching us His commandments. So that we can obey them for all those reasons that we listed, yeah. right? So there are going to be times when a commandment is is taught that you are not obedient to, and you're going to not want to be 
and, and the Lord is giving us eyes to see why that is, that, that there is a part of how God works that once you have made the choice, even though you have no excuse, even though the commandment is clear in his word, even though the, the spirit has spoken clearly, you have chosen to, to reject that, that God is going to hand you over to that thing and it is going to become irresistible to you. Like you, you're going to get what you want and, and, the, and, the, and you get what you want. I believe the Lord, the Lord gives you what you want to get you to the end of yourself, right? To get you to that point of beat down, right? That's what all idols are ultimately going to do. It is going to beat you down. If you have any courage to judge the fruit, if you have any uh, maturity regarding that, you will see that that thing every time you engagement is killing you or killing your marriage or killing your finances or killing whatever area of life that disobedience is in. Judge the fruit and you will see it's killing you. When your mind is handed over to it, it does not matter. You just want it. And so as spouses for one another or friends for one another, when we see someone in that place of just they are blind and it almost looks like insanity, I think this is going to give us some some um, guidance on how we pray for them, how we love them, love them in that and through that. And we have that peace where we're, as, a, as a parent, and this, this is not a biblical term, as a parenting term, you know, like you have some kids or even yourself, you're like, sometimes I have to learn the hard way. And sometimes, like, that's kind of, kind of from a kid's perspective, if that helps you as well. Sometimes having your mom or dad tell you not to do something 16 times, fine, go bare feet into the desert. You're probably going to get hurt. It doesn't take very many times to do something. It has to almost be uncomfortable. I think that's that peace of God loving us so much. He doesn't want us to stay comfortable in sin. He wants our sin to be uncomfortable, not, not a place where we want to linger and stay in, but one that really, and that's where I do think that there is that boldness where we really have to say, okay, we have to judge that fruit. And if we're not honest with the fruit or can't be honest enough with ourselves, then that will you, uh, you know, you just keep following me, and you know, I will bring, I will bring them, I will cause their knees to bow, their tongues to confess. So the more that, the best thing you can do is pray and wait, and only God, God, I, I know, God will bring, in God's time, not in mine. So I give God praise because I know that a lot of times, whatever issue, pride. You know, uh, greed, selfishness, whatever. Yep. Jesus is Lord of all. Right. And so all we do is just commit and, and submit and surrender. Right. Okay, Lord, not my, not my will, but thine, not my way, but yours. That's right. Yes. And I, I really think Lynn's testimony is meant to be for all of us an encouragement that it does not matter how long it takes. This thing for me was a 10 year, probably a 10 year issue. 10 years of being blind and, and, and just disobedient. You know, and, it, and, yeah. and, and you know, I don't know how long you were, you know, you had that thing still, and I, I don't know, you've been 10 years with this thing too. I mean, God is patient. Amen. So there is hope, always hope, that the miraculous 100% healing is available and will come. Yeah. Um, I want to read this last paragraph real quick because I think it gives some of the fruit. If you see if you see some of this fruit, it's, it's, it's worth noting. And even as they did not to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do things which ought not be fitting. 
being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, uh, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventor, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, dis undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God and those who practice such things, I'm sorry, who, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do they do the same, but also approve of, the, of those who practice them. So that list of things right there, um, I think we are given that list as this, this is the fruit that you will see when that debased mind is, is in place. And, and as you can see in this area, sexual immorality is in there. So, so if there is um, um, a, a struggle in this area, I think what this is, is teaching us is that potentially we've been handed over to that specific area of, of wrong thought and wrong thinking because in some area we have idolatry, right? If this is all ultimately about idolatry, the exchange of worshiping the, the creator for the worship of the created, that that is what leads to this list because it jacks with our wiring and it jacks with our software and it jacks with our mind. That um, the question is, you know, where is that idolatry? And, and I think that leads to Michael's um, testimony, which is that's a very intimate, right now, real-time, spirit-led conviction that um, if you are ready to not want to flip the table, you might want to ask that question and, and, and believe that the Lord can and will and wants to reveal that to you because the, the, um, the bad fruit and the bondage and the curse, it's all meant to lead you to repentance. It's all meant to lead you to the end of that thing, to see it for what it is to be done with it once and for all and to be set free. And that's ultimately what all of this is all about. It's just a constant pruning process. Um, the father being the gardener, the, the one that prunes these branches that aren't bearing any fruit. Why? So we can bear more fruit. So we can have the blessed life. So we can have um, everything from that list. So, so this is... Um, understanding that we might obey and the understanding that I might keep your law all my days. The understanding is rebellion is the fruit of idolatry and it is um, a judgment of the Father to make you desire that thing so much that you gotta get to the end of yourself to, to ultimately have that thing removed. And isn't it, isn't it equally that by him giving us the thing that we very well desire is us rebelling against him, that he's gonna use that very same thing to draw us towards him, right? So, you know, it again brings us back to a decision to where we have to recognize that brokenness, that disobedience, that separation and he will bring us to the, the bottom of that pit. Allow us, let me rephrase that. 
He will allow us to go to the bottom of that pit so we can turn to him and say, I need you. Yeah, exactly right. I don't think the prayer that God responds to isn't necessarily, I don't want that anymore. I think the prayer that he responds to is, I am incapable of not wanting that. I have to have you. And that's the prayer that I think God really answers. Yes, ma'am. I have a question. So when you, when, um, you're like, okay, so I see myself. Mom is one. So how do I know when I know longer a reprobate or in that yeah. pit or, you know, how do I know God has answered that prayer? I can't do it long or whatever you thought that you just said. Well, you know, the, um, I can only answer by my experience. So, um, so when the Lord, so, so um, when I was in the desert, by the way, at that rock bottom moment, and I cried out to God, um, what is keeping me from being what you called me to be? Um, I, I stood up, and I'm way out in the middle of nowhere, sitting on top of a mountain in the desert, and I stood up and I turned around and I looked behind the rock that I was sitting on and there was one can, one beer can standing there, literally of the beer that I used to drink. And, um, and that was, so the Lord very clearly spoke to me about that, showing me that that was an idol. And so um, it was at that time that I confessed and I repented and I, and I um, believe that's when my surgery happened in that area. But what I can definitely say is that um, since then, there has still been temptations to drink from time to time. The temptation has not been completely removed. Um, and, and there's even been disobedience in that area since then. But, but, the, but the constant bad fruit that was associated with that, it took a small amount of time. You know, I think that there's almost like a time period of, of the bad fruit having to die off and then the good fruit coming. You know, for me, the good fruit coming was I can have a good time without drinking. I can, I can be around these people without drinking. I can be engaged in this activity without drinking. And, and it was when I began to notice those things that I knew that something had changed because I had spent many, many years not believing that. And so I think um, that's part of the fruit that you'll begin to judge, but it takes some time. It takes time for the bad fruit to die off. That's, at least for me, it wasn't like a instant miraculous, I have no desire for that anymore. I see it for exactly what it is. I have perfect clarity and it's done. I'm done with it. It wasn't really like that for me in that area. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so I'm going to add to that just for a few minutes because one of the lies that um, I would say that we have seen um, in some of our own, but also in others that have gone through this over the last seven years or so, is that let's say there's a period of, um, and some of this stuff isn't things. It might be um, an, an emotion. It might be yeah, anger. So it so might be things that literally just yeah. picking up something. So let's, so let's just pretend that, for example, we'll just stay on the alcohol one because it's an yeah. easy visual for people to see. That all of a sudden, um, Eric would say, would tell himself, well, you know what? It's not an idol anymore. So I'm okay having a drink. It's been six months, and it's no longer an idol in my life. I know God's in his rightful place, but I will put a very strong warning to that because we have seen many people that have, um, you're right, you're not getting drunk anymore, but before you know it, six months down the road, you are. Because it can absolutely, the enemy has, he's already had a place there before, but when we reopen that, and we can, I mean, God can absolutely deliver us from it, but we can absolutely be pulled back into it if we allow ourselves to be. Does that make sense? 
So, <laughs> oh man, you're so, so I would just I would just strongly like if it's if it's obviously had a, a strong enough so hold weird. something and obviously we can go on to the I'll just say the one we've done the last two weeks. Everybody knows what we've been talking about the last two weeks, correct? Yeah, yeah. That we have seen people say, Well, it's not a problem for me anymore. So watching this type of a movie isn't a problem for me anymore. But when it's clearly been an idol in your life and it's clearly been out of alignment with what God's showing you to be, I mean, I hope I'm speaking to someone this is speaking to some people right now, that you, you, you don't put your guard down on that. Like, you need to keep on saying, God showed me this was not for me. And I'm not going to say that that doesn't mean, okay, let's just, we'll come back to the alcohol one. Yep, I can have one drink, and then I'm always okay with that. I will say for Eric, that wasn't the case for many times. It's like, I'm going to drink. Why wouldn't I get, like, buzzed? Or why wouldn't I get drunk? It wasn't, let's just have a glass of wine before I go to bed. But then before you know it, it's a glass of wine, you know, every day. You might have a problem again if that's what's required. You know, so obviously there's so much more now. But that's, that would be my one thing that I would say is that absolutely God can. And we've seen him remove it completely like that from some people. And I think it also, is, you know, this is where we really have to know and rely on God's word. Because, like, again, Matt and I were talking about when we were coming here, the only way to know anything is to judge the fruit, yeah. right? Because our heart and our, and our thinking and our perception can be so deceived and so skewed that, you know, we just talk ourselves into something being okay or something being not a problem or I have a control over this or I have, you know, there's, there's just so many ways to be deceived. So you've got to know the word and you've got to judge, um, judge the fruit. And like for sexual immorality, for example, the Bible is very clear. You came yeah. from it. So there is no dabbling. There is no, um, that's just a clear one. It's just very obvious. Our commandment is to flee from it, to have no connection to it whatsoever. There is no it's just clear. That's that's obedience. And so the only way to know if you are, um, if that thing has moved into idolatry, is am I obeying God's word regarding it? The minute the minute I'm engaging something in a way that is outside of God's commandment regarding it, that thing is an idol, right? That's pretty clear. Yes, ma'am. Um, I have a really good scripture that um, was given to me because of searching this out. And it's in 1 Corinthians 10, and it says um, 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands be careful that he doesn't fall. 13. No temptation has taken you except what is common to man. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted, tempted above what you are able, but will, with the temptation, also make a way for escape that you may be able to endure it. Yes. So, yeah, you know, like you say, flee, but I mean, there's, he's going to give, God's going to give you a way to endure it and yeah. escape it. He's, and, and it's think, always going to be there. And I there. think one of the things that he's showing us is when we are in that place of literally enduring, resisting the temptation, like, like, you know, I think a lot of times we're looking for the, the easy fix. Like, I'm, I'm cured. I'm done. Like, this is never an issue. This is never an issue. I'm never going to want that again. I'm, I'm, I'm just beyond that. I think that, um, at least for me personally, there's actually, it's more of an opportunity to worship God as I walk through persevering and enduring. I want that, but I know it's not for me anymore. Like, that is actually an act of worship. And that is part of what I think self-denial as Jesus calls it, looks like. Like there are times when you have to basically say, I want that, but that's out of alignment with God's word that is not for God's holy set apart people. So I'm just not going to do it anymore. And I might have to, you know, persevere through not doing it anymore. And that's actually an act of worship. 
You know, that's a beautiful, that's a rare, that, I think that's the act of worship that the, that the bride of Christ or the body of Christ is the least willing to engage in right now. You know, and that's because of all the BS regarding, you know, um, grace covers everything. That, that when we want something, we just go do it. It doesn't matter what God's word says about it. Well, that's not an act of worship, right? That's an act of disobedience. It's, it's absolutely an act of worship to say God's word says that that's not for me anymore. Even though it's tempting, I'm going to say no. That takes a lot of love. That takes a lot of truth and trust and, and, and spirit-filled perseverance. Uh, uh, James 1 and 12, he said, The blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Wow, you read know, that again. James Listen Lord, to this, guys. Blessed so is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when his desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings more death. Do not be deceived, my beloved. So I think that's part of your answer there is, yeah. if I have temptation, does it mean it's still an idol? And I would argue no, yet, but the answer to that is no. That, that there is going to be temptation. We live in a fallen world, and it's going to be all around us at all times. Um, you'll know if it's an idol if you succumb to that temptation, and it leads you to break the commandment. At that point, it's it's you know that's an idol. I would say, just being tempted, but but being able to persevere and, and not say not engage, not not succumb. That's that's okay. I think that's a God honoring thing. You know, is he at some point going to renew all of our minds so much that, that all these desires of the flesh are just going to be gone and go away and we're not going to have them anymore? That would be awesome. I'd love for that to happen. Yeah. You know, and, and maybe maybe that, that maturity and that discernment and that, and that understanding will continue to grow. I pray it does. But but being tempted and, and, and not succumbing, I think that is a great place to be. I would say, for me, that's where we have to absolutely be intimate with the Father and His Word to sometimes by the hour, because that's where I, I tend to fall short. Um, you guys heard me share, you know, some of the things I struggle with is anger. Um, but you know, how do you apply temptation to anger? Or how is anger viewed as an idol or, or whatnot? But I would, what the, the Lord is continually showing me and actually helping me with is, he, he gets me to see it. So today, more than five years from you know, backwards, and even 10 years backwards, I didn't see it. He, you know, so part of seeing it is, the, is part of the protection. Is, is him literally saying, I'm going to show you something about 